I'm Batman. No, I'm Batman. That was a really I'm Batman. <laughs> it's listen. I was thinking the other day because, like, inevitably, all the time, like three times a week, I'll be scrolling Facebook and you see those. You see them more for Batman than you do any other character. Sometimes Superman. Sometimes Spider-Man, but inevitably more than any other character, it'll be that image with like several different actors who have played Batman and then the, you know, do the thumbs up react for this Batman, do the heart react for this Batman. You know the you know what I mean, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And overwhelmingly overwhelmingly <clears throat> Christian Bale is usually the winner. And not always by a landslide. When I say overwhelmingly, I mean overwhelmingly in the sense that the majority of those votes that I see, he's edged out Keaton or Affleck by right. at least a little bit. Yeah. And I truly, like, not count... If we're talking modern day Batman, so we're, like, if we're not counting... um if we're not counting Adam West, I truly do think Christian Bale is the worst Batman. <laughs> I don't think they're the worst Batman movies. Like, I think the movies themselves are better than, you know, say, Batman and Robin. Right? Like, I, I yeah. recognize that The Dark Overall, Knight is a hell trilogy, of a film. Overall, as a trilogy, it's done itself uh, a service it's, it's to good. Batman. Yep. Compared yep. to others. But but Christian Bale himself, pretty good Bruce Wayne. Horrible Batman. And I think that <laughs> without fail for me, because I was like, what is, like, why? Am I, I was thinking this the other day, am I just on that same train of like, oh, I hate Avatar because it's cool to hate Avatar? Like, do I just, am I just going against the herd because I know that so many people love the Christian Bale Batman? And I don't think I am. I think the reason I detest Christian Bale's Batman is part of it is the overhypeness. Part of it is like, uh, like it's just you all love him and you're all wrong. <laughs> but so much of it, like I would say the lion's share is that god awful voice. <laughs> it's so distractingly bad. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, hard wait, to get over wait, after, uh, after a while. Where are the other drugs going? Don't swear to God, swear to me. <laughs> like it's a little over the top. <laughs> it's so and like and it's not just like that's what his voice sounds like. If you like if you were to watch the movie on mute, if you were to take those movies and watch them with the audio removed, you'd be like, What the hell is he doing with his mouth? Because <laughs> he like deforms his mouth in order to make this stupid yeah. voice. The best, the best kind of exaggeration of that would be like, was it College Humor? Did the Batman skits? There was one from years ago, and I don't think it's College Humor. Um, I don't even think. I think it was. Well, maybe it was. I'm pretty sure. Um, it was but there's one humor. where it's, it did more than it's one. The Joker. It's the Joker and Batman interrogation scene from The Dark Knight. And the Joker's just like, have you have you ever been to a doctor? Because uh, I think you might have throat cancer. I don't have throat cancer. And it's just like this. No, it's, you know, okay. Um, 
it is college humor and it's it's more than just that interrogation scene they've done several oh have they okay. yeah you, you should watch but, yeah, they're great but like, they they like they show kind of that that like why that batman isn't great and it's the voice and like when he's just standing there his mouth is kind of like open agape in an awkward yeah. way and he's like i talk like this like his lips never meet yeah for some reason yeah and like and it like it gets worse is that like i quite enjoy sorry this is not what we're here to talk about but i quite enjoy um it's a fun tangent <laughs> i quite enjoy batman begins and i really like the batman begins bat suit like everyone got all crazy like oh they can turn he can turn his head now and i'm like well yeah but i mean i really loved that like panther like neck velvety cape bat suit from batman all, begins kind of all in one yeah the, yeah. the one piece cowl and yeah. but the films just got worse for me as far as christian bale's performance and it comes to a point in the dark knight rises when batman is talking to gordon and he's like i you know I, the discussion is batman saying i gotta fly this bomb out over the harbor so that the citizens don't die. I got to sacrifice myself, right? And Gordon's trying to talk him out of it. Like, no, you're the hero. Like, you know, you know, whatever. And Batman, he not only does he sound throat cancery. Not only is his mouth agape, <laughs> but like yeah. he he just sounds he just sounds exhausted, like out of breath for no reason. Like he hops out of his vehicle and he's like. A hero can be anybody. It's, it's like uh, breathy. Like, a, <laughs> it's like somebody breathy. Yeah. putting the, the jacket over a young boy and telling him that everything's going to be okay. And it's just like, what the hell is happening right now? Like, yeah. like, at no point should Gary Oldman not have been like, okay, sorry, Batman. What are you doing? <laughs> like, is that your actual voice or like? Is something wrong with you? Yeah. Are you terminal? Yeah. No, it's, uh, yeah. <sighs> Hello and welcome to the Movie Men podcast. The B team? The B team. The, when the we don't do the B news, are we still the B team? Yeah, sure we are. I mean, it's you and me, right? Yeah. I really get this feeling like Pete and I should do our own little side. The C team. The CP uh, team, team, the PC team, uh, reviewing something else. Yeah. Oh, are you guys not? No, we're not. But he's. We've been talking about watching uh, something recently. Uh, I think it is it last. I think we were talking about last act watching last action hero. Oh uh, yeah yeah yeah. Or something. It's an Arnie flick. We yeah, should, I'm aware. We should do I like seen it, but I know of it. Pete, if you're listening, when you listen, we should do like a. Like an Arnie, pick a pick a bunch of Arnie movies to go through, or like we watch an Arnie movie and then we watch a movie from your favorite actor and kind of go back and forth. Ooh, I don't know. That'd be cool. We should do something. We should, we got to do something. That would be cool. Pete and I actually, and that may it, there may be the perfect <laughs> spot for that because Pete and I have been um, just this morning actually. We were sort of talking about okay, like this trek back through history where we go back a year and then back a year and back a year and that's that's what's been dictating our voting 
categories. Um, yeah. We're like, well, what is what is the timeline for that? When do because you when we first started. <laughs> Well, yeah, because the first, the first, when we first started it, we were like, well, you know, I don't know, we're just going to kind of let that play out. Like, I, I think we'll know maybe when it's time, like when the options, you know, yeah. when like all of a sudden it's 1976 and it's like, uh, okay, I so hard to come up with four films that A, we think are interesting enough to do yeah. and B, we think enough people even know about that they're going to care and vote. On yeah, one of well, these like the two thousands and nineties are easy because you were both kind of yep. around during that time. Yep, the the eighties will be still still kind of easy because a lot of those eighties movies are considered classics, and people mm-hmm. growing up in the nineties would have watched those event at some point, right? Like Star Wars, Ghostbusters, uh, um, the terminator you know like there's there's yeah. there's a laundry list of action flicks and great cinema mm-hmm. action flicks come to mind first for me obviously the, that that come out came out in the 80s that are just like classics and cult classics that you can do can you do but then yeah like you, you go get into the 70s yeah you're probably starting to tread on some you know the, on thinner content there yeah so i think essentially what we've decided is we don't know for certain when it will end, but that it's it won't go past 1980. 1980 will be the last, the last mm. one. Cool. And then we'll just go back to like <laughs> like three years ago. There was a time where we just had like different vote categories each week. Like maybe one yeah. would be horror, maybe one would be Christopher Nolan films. Maybe one would be, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I have a couple of different ideas, but I also really like your idea for, for yeah, just like bouncing back and forth between like. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. like what you guys used to do about like recommendations after what you watched. Mm-hmm. But you kind of like. Which I miss. Take, take it a, sex, a step further where it's just like, hey, I'm choosing the video this week. You're choosing the video next week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. Um, okay, so but why are we here, all that? Brady? All that said, Pete's not here, and I feel like it's important to address this because today's episode is sort of the continuation of uh, Pete and I did a series. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm getting choked up about this. Pete's not here. Um, <laughs> Pete and I did a series where we went through and reviewed. Um, all of Batman's live action films. Yeah. I think the only thing we excluded really was Suicide Squad because he's in it for like two minutes. And, you know, so it's like you can't really build a movie around that. But we did like all the the Batman proper films. We did Batman v Superman. We did Justice League, both versions. Um, and so, yeah, so... And this is, I mean, you know, this is, I, yes, it's a flash film, but it's, it's pretty heavily featuring Batman, <clears throat> right? Like it is it's in multiple different Batmans. And so it was, you know, yeah. So Pete's not here. And the only reason that Pete is not here was just scheduling issues. Pete was not able to go see it. Carl and I have both seen it close to a week ago now um if not more what brady what did we see 
it's they've read the they've read the title of the the the, the, the but you still have to and say I, it. I just i just said it. i just said technically it's a flash movie did you <laughs> that's not the name of the movie Freddy. the n- name of the movie is the flash <laughs> yeah there it is we batman flashpoint flash. <laughs> um so so he was he just wasn't able to go see it um, in in the amount of time that it was going to make sense in order for us to have seen it to be able to record an episode and get it out, you know, while the movie's still sort of relevant in everyone's minds. Um, so that, yeah, that really sucks. Um, I want to make two disclaimers. And I think it's important to make these two disclaimers before we go any further. Number one is an obvious one. Number one is we're about to spoil the shit out of the Flash. So if you haven't seen the Flash, Every first of all, detail. if <laughs> first of all, if you haven't seen the Flash and you're not like I'm voting with my wallet, I hate the Flash. Then you know, whatever you do, you. But if you're just like, oh, you know what? I've kind of been curious about this Flash film, but you haven't seen the Flash. Go see the Flash. Go see the Flash. I'm not going to show my hand right now as to whether or not I think it's a good film or a bad film or whatever, but I will tell you, I think you, at the very least, you're going to have an entertaining time. You're going to have an entertaining time. And, you know, for the 12 bucks that is a 12, where else can you get two and a half hours of entertainment for 12 bucks? Just doesn't exist. Go to the movies. Um, the second thing that I think is very important um, and I've been thinking about this all week, um, is we're, both Carl and I are aware of the Ezra controversy. Uh, we've talked about it on the news show a couple of times. So we're both aware of it. Today, we are reviewing The Flash. We're not reviewing Ezra Miller. We're not. Well, we, the judge. We, we, we may review his acting, but not him as. We're a gonna exactly. So today, when we talk about Ezra Miller, it will be in terms of how their performance benefited or didn't benefit the film, how they were in the film, so on and so forth. We're not gonna dive into. You know, it's not gonna be like, oh, this scene was really great. Too bad Ezra's a horrible person, right? Like, I just want to, because it's quite possible that the two of us are going to say a lot of, uh, we may not have liked Ezra Miller's performance, but it's quite possible that we're going to say a lot of really positive things about Ezra Miller today. Um, And that is reflective 100% of Ezra's acting in this film. And furthermore, acting that Ezra did in this film prior to all of the the controversy and the the scandal whatever you want to call it the legal troubles that Ezra Miller finds themselves in um so that's that's important this is not going to be this is not the news show if you're looking for an update this is not this is not where you're going to get it so with all of that out of the way let's kick things off with some initial impressions I will go first, and then I'll pass it over to Carl, and then we'll just kind of break down the the different aspects of the film from there. Initial impressions. Um, 
I want to preface my initial impressions by saying I had impossibly high expectations for this film, which is something that I always want to avoid doing for a film um, because, you know, then you're just making it harder and harder on yourself to enjoy the film. Um, but I had uncrushably high expectations and I couldn't help it because it was Michael Keaton as Batman. And that was something that up until a few years ago, I didn't even know was possible. <laughs> like, I didn't, it's not even like, you know, I've made jokes where I'm like, I've been waiting for this since 1990. No, I, I have not been waiting for this because I didn't even, I didn't allow myself to even entertain that possibility for a second until right. they said, hey, guess what? And then I like, yeah, this became this became my number one anticipated thing of maybe the rest of my life. <laughs> the second they they introduced that, um, so uncrushably high expectation or un, un impossibly high expectations. Um, this movie's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, and. It's not without its issues. It has a couple of issues. There are a few things that I'm going to gripe about. Um, not everything that was on my wish list was given to me. But I'm okay with that because with the direction they took things in, some of the items that were on my wish list wouldn't have fit or made any sense anyways. Um, so I'm, I'm able to swallow that pill. Um, and ultimately, objectively, which means I'm not leaving room for anybody else's opinion in this, whether you thoroughly enjoy The Flash, or it was a major letdown and, and you didn't like it. The fact that this film exists and the things that happen in this film, the people who are in this film are in it. <clears throat> Much in the same vein of the fact that we're getting um, Wolverine, we're getting Hugh Jackman back as Wolverine. Much in the fact that we just got three Spider-Mans on screen, live action Spider-Mans on screen together. Objectively. There has, in the history of the world, there has never been a greater time to be alive as a comic book fan and as a comic book movie fan. Re again, regardless of whether or not this movie worked for you or didn't it's work true. for you, the fact that this exists and what that, what each time a film like this happens, what that continues to open the doors to moving forward and, and and down the road, there's never been a sweeter time for us yeah. comic book fans than, than the time that we're living in right now. Yeah. And I hope it just continues to get crazier. But those, that's my initial impression. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed this film, ultimately. I have some gripes, but it's going to be a positive review for me overall. Carl, what are your initial impressions of The Flash? Yeah, I, um, I would mirror most of what you said. Like, yeah, really fun uh, 
superhero film. Uh, really well done adaptation of the Flashpoint story. It's not the like, uh, it's not, it's not exactly the same as the comic book story. Um, but they, they, they do kind of honor and take a lot of story beats from Flashpoint comic book story. Yep. And, and they take the right, a lot of the right ones, I think. Um, uh, they miss a few that I think would have been better, but, but it works for this story, uh, that they told. And, uh, so anybody who's a fan of the flashpoint story, I think they, they'll enjoy this. Um, I'm not a fan of Ezra Miller as the flash. I've said it before on our new show. He just, he doesn't, he doesn't fit for me. Um, but I still enjoyed the film greatly. I, he, I still think he did a great job. Uh, his acting was really good in this film. Uh, and um, yeah, I, I got a few gripes as well. I, I, and I would say I didn't, I didn't have impossibly high expectations going into this, but for those that follow the news show, we talked uh, a number of times about these big Hollywood names who had seen pre-screenings of this film and praised it to the sun. And I kind of walked out not understanding what they were talking about. Cause I don't think it was as good as it, they made th those articles made it sound like they were right. saying it was. Well, and that's one of the great so, things about movies, right? Is yeah. it something's going to hit you differently than it hits yeah, the next person. Than it, you know, yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I don't think like it's not a cinematic masterpiece the way like Tom Cruise was touting it. Right. <laughs> right. Like, right. I don't, what are you talking about, Tom Cruise? This is not like this is, this is a good superhero movie. This isn't Schindler's List. <laughs> what is, well, what's I think, going on? <laughs> I think specifically what Tom Cruise said was this is exactly the film that the world needs right now. Yeah, I don't even know if I'd go that far. It's just a good superhero. There are, like, Marvel has made just as many films that I would say are on par with this in terms of yep. superhero film. And some world. that are better than this film, easily. So, oh, sh well, yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't yeah. think, yeah, is this what this world needs? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a I superhero think film. It, it, like, <laughs> even example, because you were talking about, like, you know, it, it, it takes some, it's an adaptation. Yeah. Uh, it's not a carbon copy of the Flashpoint story. No. It's an adaptation. Um, <coughs> excuse me, which I think is perfectly fine because as an example of another film that did that, that I think is really great, if not maybe better, um, was Captain America Civil War. We yes. all loved Captain America Civil War, but if you were if you were had come straight from reading the comic and then you were like, okay, I know exactly what's going to happen. You would have been like, Oh, Whoa, wait, <laughs> like there's big some big differences here. Captain you know? America didn't even die. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I, right off the bat, something I want to talk about because it kind of piggybacks off of something you just said, um, is talking about Ezra Miller, um, and <clears throat> their performance, in this movie. 
I have been, so to preface this, I have been an Ezra Miller fan of him, of the, they, sorry, them playing the Flash. Um, I have been. I, I, I think they do a fantastic job. Um, and is it is it like a carbon copy of what you see out of the comics? Uh, no, but that's I mean that's the thing about film and and storytelling and you know we trust in the fact that our filmmakers are good storytellers and have the wherewithal to understand when something may work really really well on the comic page and maybe doesn't translate or won't work as well as something else on the big screen. Sometimes they get it right, sometimes they get it wrong. Um, but regardless, I have been an Ezra Miller Flash fan. Uh, I think Ezra is fantastic in this film. And something that I have not been able to get my mind off of all week was there was a moment about partway through this film, well after Barry is with Barry and they've they've the two Barrys have been on screen for a while. There was a moment in the I'm sitting there in the theater, and the thought process goes through my head of like, oh yeah, like Ezra's acting. They shot this scene twice with a stand-in. And that's Ezra acting both times against themselves. Yeah. And like, no, yeah. Because his, had his you told me, his, he's, have, he had you job. told me, because what I realized in that moment was like, had you told me this is Ezra Miller and Ezra Miller's twin brother, that there, that there were two people in this film and that it was just a regular scene shot the way all regular scenes are shot. That's how I had been viewing the film. I was so yeah. sucked in and immersed yeah. in what they were telling me that I actually had to have a, a, I actually had a moment where I like pulled back and went, wait a second, that's the same actor. Like yeah. Ezra does a great job of portraying the Flash as three different people and all of mm -hmm. them feel exceptionally different from the other different that when viewed on the screen yeah you like you said you lose yourself to the idea that they're not they're not the same person it's not the same and effects wise like visually and we'll we'll get into the visuals of this film but visually this effect um of of having the same actor act against themselves in the same scene i don't know that i've ever seen it done better like there's there's lots of films. This isn't a new camera trick. This is this has been done obviously in lots of films. Um and certainly it's gotten better over the years, but there's always like one moment where I'm like uh, this is like maybe the eye the sight lines are off a little bit or maybe, you know, like whatever it is and you're just like, mm, you know, I'm I'm very aware that that's the same person and that this scene was shot twice and someone was composited in or, you know, whatever it is. Um never once in the flash did I have that. I was just like this is I it's it's Barry Allen and Barry Allen, like I, I've, yeah. I've bought that, like yeah. hook, line, and sinker. I've bought it. Um, so that was that was 
my hat is regardless of the way the rest of this interview goes my or interview <laughs> review goes my hat is off to Andy Muschietti and Ezra Miller and the effects teams um, yeah. that worked on this film because that was incredible. Yeah. So like Ezra Miller as the flash is one of my complaints for this because, because, and this is, this is one of those things where art is, art is subjective. There is no, like when one person looks at art, they can have a completely different feeling and, and idea and yeah, there's no uh, right or wrong. Yeah. And, and so when I view Ezra Miller as the flash, I don't see, the flash i see somebody acting now as like we were just saying ezra miller is a did a phenomenal job acting in this and i did lose myself in the film i did lose myself to him being the flash but when i leave the theater when i think back on it i'm just like but he doesn't look like the way i want my flash to look and 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 that's just that's just my personal preference right i want my flash to have you know, red hair and, or blonde hair and, and be a little bit more confident and cocky. Mm-hmm. And, and that's nothing on Ezra's acting. That's more on the script and who chose to portray who the, who yeah. the, the producer, Zack Snyder originally casting. Yeah. So that, that's not, yeah. So that's on Zack Snyder and on, on the script because Ezra's just, you know, portraying the flash as he's written and the way that he, it was, they, they interpreted it. So you were, so, you were never a fan then of Grant Gustin in the CW's flash either then, right? Cause he's also, he's got like the same color. He's got hair. like a dusty redhead or dusty Brown. Yeah. He's, yeah, I he's mean, brown. I never watched yeah. that, that show. I watched like two episodes and, Oh, it gets get fantastic. It it it, um, it falls off. It should have ended before it did. But there's like the second, third, and fourth season are truly, truly fantastic. Yeah. But well, yeah, when I envision the Flash, I think of the first vision that comes to my head are anything from DC animated studios, the films and right. car- cartoons, right? Like and yes. Barry, Barry, and uh, and. What are the other Flash names? They're all they're always usually blonde or or redheads. Uh, Wally West. Wally, yeah. Wally's the redhead. Um, and then yeah, but um, so I don't know. Yeah. It's just you know when it contrasted to what I kind of grew up with and fell in love with as who the who and I imagine the Flash to be just as Bart and, Allen Bart and um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not. That's the other thing. I'm not super familiar with the franchise, the Flash either. Um, I know some of the lore and stuff, but it's he's not like my go-to, and DC's not my go-to. Marvel always has been, but but I still have a vision of what I would like, and it just doesn't match up. But that doesn't it doesn't didn't detract from this film in any way. It doesn't detract from um, the acting and the uh, from Ezra Miller playing him, uh, mm-hmm. Flash. However, there is a big but here. Uh oh. The Flash from like a, juicy, uh, the, like a big juicy we'll, butt. We'll call let's call the main Flash that's we see at the beginning of the film primary Flash or main Flash or whatever. Yeah, and I then, thought you were going to say Earth 1. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, you're and, going and then, full nerdy on this. And then the flat the younger Flash, we'll call Flash B or secondary Flash whatever, right? New so primary Flash, flash dirt yeah. when he's in his own timeline at the beginning. <laughs> 
he's not confident. He's he's kind of um club clumsy, especially with his words. Uh, uh, um, he doesn't he doesn't portray confidence in any manner. But when he goes back in time to fix things and ends up meeting a, a Flash too. All those things are gone. It's not, he's all of a sudden a different character almost. Th- I, that's what I took care- issue with. And when he goes back. Interesting. When he comes, I felt like when he came, when he kind of fixed things and ended up back in his own timeline, he kind of fell back into those old roles. So I don't know, like you could make the inference that because he was in this crisis scenario, crisis scenario, he was forced to be the confident self he is when he's kind of behind the mask, but even behind the mask, he's not because when he's right. when he's trying to help Batman, he, he's still kind of not, doesn't seem very confident to me, but like, yeah, like when he's in screwed, the screwed up version of history, he, he is, he's very confident. He talks to Batman very confidently about, uh, what he wants to do and how to fix things. And like, and it felt that felt like two different flashes to me. And the person I saw it with, he said the same thing. She's you see with Tim. Yeah. Yeah. He felt, he felt the same thing. So that and, was and that in terms of the acting was my only is my only real gripe. Interesting. That so that for some it, reason flash flashes, persona i guess maybe you call who flash is kind of changed a little bit interesting and it didn't make i didn't have um so uh, and just for reference here um wally west barry allen and jay garrick are kind of the main jay garrick being like the original flash yeah. He's the first character from like the forties. It was Jake Garrick. Um Yeah, I didn't have an issue with that. And I and because I think I saw it exactly the way you just proposed, which was, you know, when you're in a time of like the most the most timid and and unsure person in a time of emergency, in a time of crisis. Um, has the ability to all of a sudden go into crisis mode right. and and you know and that's that like from a psychology standpoint like that's been proven there's there's something yeah. that happens in I, you that like I just you know I felt like they didn't even there were moments when he was helping Batman right at the beginning where it's he kind of seemed like that but he still mm-hmm. also seemed like the out of suit version of himself bled hmm, through okay so i i, I didn't i didn't i was a little i guess i'm being a little bit more nitpicky but it's i don't i wouldn't say it's a huge nitpick but it is one of my small beefs with the film okay um so let's continue talking about the cast because that's sort of how we've started and i've planned a little bit of a game game for me or a game for the audience for you Oh. A game for you. Well, it was supposed to be a game for you and Pete. You know, that's yeah, it's what it is. Sure. Um, basically, what's going to happen is I'm going to 
I'm going to say an actor. Some of them are in this film. Some of them may not be in this film. Um, and and I'm going to say an actor. And what I want you to do is tell me between zero and a hundred a percentage of prior to seeing this film. If I had asked you, what do you think the chances are? What percentage chance do you think there is that this person is going to show up in the film? And I need you to, it's tricky because we've seen the film. So I need you to really like take a second, close your eyes, take a deep breath, get yourself into the headspace of Carl from a week and a half ago, right? Prior to seeing this film, um, prior to knowing who shows up and who doesn't and all of these things, what, what would have been the odds that that this person would show up. If we were just, if if before the movie had come out, we were sitting and we were making a list of like our guesses for cameos. Right. What, right. what is the percentage of this person will show up? Okay. Sure. I'm going to start out, start out kind of soft. <clears throat> if I had asked you, what do you think the odds are that we will see Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman? One hundy. A hundred percent, eh? Like you yeah. were confident that was happening. Even though she wasn't in any of the marketing, she wasn't in I, any, any trailers. Okay, maybe not a hundred. I'd say maybe ninety. Eighty five at least. Eighty five okay. ninety. Yeah. I think I was at the fifty fifty mark. I was like I yeah, I could show up. I mean she showed up in um Shazam Fury of the Gods. So yeah. she's not, you know, the studio's not opposed to throwing her in in these little cameos. Okay, if I had asked you, what are the odds that we will see Jason Momoa as Arthur Curry? Uh, I would say the same as Gal Gadot. I, I, just kind of jumping the gun here. Anybody from the JLA movie would have been 80, 90. Interesting. So then... Just because it's... Yeah, so then that transfers... Right? Like, so that transfers over to Ray Fisher as Cyborg, yeah, who we did not a, see. Yeah, because they've kind of... They're they're a team now. There's 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 a high chance that some of them are going to make it to another film, as we've okay. seen with Fury of the Gods. This is where things get a little more interesting. And that one wasn't even a JLA guy. <laughs> if I had asked you, what are the odds that we're going to see Adam West as Batman in this film? Oh, it would have been at zero. <laughs> Zero, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Me too. 100%. It never even crossed my mind. Like when I was thinking, when we we're like, oh, what other Batmans could show up? Like, oh my gosh, like, holy cow, what, who could it be? It never even crossed my mind. Never even crossed my mind. That was oh, a zero percent. This is like a little rabbit hole tangent, but I, I think this is fun to go down. Um, do you, are you familiar with like, uh, it's either just wrapped up or it's like it's like current Batman run. No, like Batman through time is I think is what the no I don't read Batman because I am Batman and that just seems egotistical. <laughs> so it, there's this comic book run where like for some Batman dies but he doesn't really die he just gets sent through time and he ends up like time hopping for some reason to different times and different universes. And mm -hmm. he ends up running into different versions of himself. 
like he runs into the Batman Arkham from the Batman Arkham games and he he runs into Adam West and when he runs into Adam West he doesn't have a utility belt and the Adam West Batman's like every Batman needs a utility belt and gives gives the comic book Batman his utility belt yeah, this is pretty cool. And it's got probably got like shark spray and stuff like it, that. It on does, it. and that shark spray gets used later in the comic. That's amazing. It's so amazing. Cool. So yeah, stupid. I I watch. Okay. I, I don't read the comics, but I I there's a a YouTube channel called Comic Storian, and he he does breakdowns and uh, graphic read throughs of of the right. comics. And that's, that's that's where I'm following it. It's pretty dope. <laughs> All right. So cool. Had I asked had I asked you, will we see Christian Bale as Batman? Oh man. I, I would say zero. zero. I didn't eh? think we were gonna see any other Batman than the Batman we seen from the shows or from the trailers. I gave this one like a twenty percent. Really? I didn't think it would happen, but I knew that if it did the audience would cream themselves. <laughs> and so I thought, you know what? There's enough of like a ridiculous fan service moment potential here that someone might do it. So then instant, so you're also a zero for Robert Pattinson then. Yeah. Yeah. Which obviously, I mean, Robert Pattinson, not the same continuity, yeah. not the same, you know, whatever, but we're dealing with the multiverse. Yeah, I thought the only Batman we were going to see were um, Ben Affleck and, um, oh my goodness, your homeboy. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. So interestingly then, um, and I, and even though you've said zero, I'm, I am going to ask this because obviously it's got relevance. And I said to you, do you think George Clooney... <laughs> Is gonna show up in this film as Bruce Wayne. I would say negative one hundred. <laughs> negative one hundred. And like, you know what? I bottom of the barrel. Not even bottom of the barrel. Underneath the barrel, buried in the ground, six feet under. <laughs> yes, and not necessarily because of the studio and the fans, but I would have thought because of George Clooney. Now, and I guarantee you, I guarantee you. Now, obviously, once he met with the film who he met with Andy Muschietti and, and read a script and stuff like that. Like obviously he was won over, but I guarantee you when that initial email or phone call or whatever it was came through and said, Hey, we'd like you to come be Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Come reprise I, this role. I guarantee you the, Oh, I don't think so. Thoughts in George Clooney's head were immense because oh, I, bet I you don't it was more know. than an I don't than a, in his head. I bet you he emailed him back and said, "No, I'm not doing that again." And it took another because email there's, of him saying, "No, just 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 meet me. Just sit down with me and read the script and and hear see see my vision." <laughs> I don't know that there's ever been an actor in the history of Hollywood who has shit-talked, regretted, hung his head and apologized, wishing it had never happened, like George Clooney with Batman and Robin. Like, very publicly, like, on, on in interviews and stuff, is ashamed of that having been 
and, and is well aware of the potential that that had to ruin him and and end his career and and all of these things. So I was very surprised that that happened. Yeah. Very happy that it happened, though. Interestingly, though, and I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess it, maybe it would have felt shoehorned in. Like, I don't know how you would have done it. You could have done it just in the Speed Force. I thought it was a shame that because you didn't even need to give someone a speaking role, right? Like, if you gave them a Speed Force cameo, then you can just throw anyone in there, right? So then, if we're thinking in terms of Speed Force, I'm a little surprised that we didn't see it, some kind of Christian Bale imagery. But I'm I'm equally surprised that we didn't see Val Kilmer. Mm. Because... Yeah. He's the other he's the one other Batman. We saw two out of three Batmans from that continuity. Yeah. <clears throat> right? Even though they're like wild, even though Tim Burton's films and Joel Schumacher films are wildly different, they're still meant to be the same Batman. Yeah. And so we didn't see that. And following this big like return that he had in Top Gun Maverick that's like emotional heart-wrenching return it just kind of surprises me that you know we didn't see him I mean it's quite possible they asked him and he just said no and then they were like well can we just use your likeness in the speed force and he may have said no I don't know um but I think they're they're like you really could have done something touching there about a Batman who yeah. yeah, Bane broke his I, back and got the best of him, and and like a bro- a seriously broken, oh, paralyzed Batman. Batman. Yeah. Man, yeah, you know you you're talking about like su- surprise they didn't use ba- the ex Batman. I think the Robert Pattinson's even more so of a surprise because because they're trying to push like, him so much. He's legitimately right the current Batman, and. Uh, they haven't denounced that as not being uh, canon or continuity to the new DCU. They're just saying it's a p- going to be Elseworld, a parallel Earth. Right. So why not make it just that? Yep. It, yeah, through, interesting. Through this film. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. If I had asked you, what are the odds that we'll see Henry Cavill? That would be the same as the other justice league the nine, members, 90 you know, yeah 80, which 90. yeah technically we do as a speed force cgi representation we no speaking role but we do you know it's very similar to the adam west cameo right if i had asked you what are the odds that we'll see christopher reeve as superman yeah that would have been a zero a zero i was right like i wasn't the whole Speed Force cameo scene, and I don't, you know what? I don't even know why I wasn't expecting this because we talked about, and you're going to mention him in a minute. We talked about Nicolas Cage. And Nick the, Cage. On, on the news show. So I don't know why it never crossed my mind but to think about other possibilities. But that whole scene was like shock and awe for me. 
Oh yeah, just fan like, service after fan what? service after what? fan service. Yeah, like I did. I did, it didn't ever even occur to me that this was a possibility to happen in the film. And not only do which we is get ridiculous because of course it's a pot. Like, sure. Why wouldn't it be? It seems almost obvious in hindsight. <laughs> not only do we get Christopher Reeve, we got Helen Slater, who's the '80s Supergirl, standing yeah. next to Christopher Reeve. We got George Reeves as a black and white Superman. Yeah. Wow. Like, just, <laughs> just yeah. wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This is- And then we got oh, Nicolas Cage. This is, then we got Nicolas Cage. Oh, my goodness. We got Nicolas Cage, which was and a we got, great, we have, like, and it wasn't just like- like a quick flash of them standing no. there like some of them were it was like no he's fighting a giant ass spider and he's winning and what? he turns and glares at the camera so this is okay. important and I you've won me over this. nicholas cage can be superman <laughs> he can be superman with the and everyone's like you know everyone always gets bent out of shape they're like oh they like they you know it's not weird enough that they were casting Nicolas Cage what's with that hair well what you need to understand is that at that time when that film was going to be made in the comics Superman had longer hair yeah. had like a big long friggin flow what? thing happening there yeah. so what. Is because I need to make sure that you and and also specifically the listener understands just how special, how glorious that Nicolas Cage cameo is. Because yes, we've talked we talked about on the news show that yes, there was going to be a Nicolas Cage film directed by Tim Burton. They got as far as like a script. There's you can go online and read different variations of the script. You can see um, test. You can see test footage of, of, of Nick Cage and the, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the late, great John Schnepp, who was a, a fantastic guy, a sort of film pundit, nerdy filmmaker extraordinaire um, who passed away oh, four years ago now, five years ago. Anyways, it was very sad. It was very tragic. Um, made a documentary, The Death of Superman Lives. Um, what happened, I think, is the, the subtitle of it. Um, and it's so one of the things, the person who wrote the script, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull back and, and Carl, like maybe you'll already know some of this, maybe you won't, um, but I'm going to pull back a little bit of the curtain on, on some of the details of that Nicolas Cage Superman film because they are executed, this scene is so riddled with, Easter eggs, and if you know, you know moments. So the person who penned, one of the people penning the scripts for Superman Lives, or the death of Superman Lives, I think is what it was called, um, was Kevin Smith. And Kevin Smith met with the director, no, not the director, one of the producers, um, the, the executive producer, the man that had all kinds of power because he's throwing money at it and ultimately it's his film and he's found a director and he's found a writer and he's found, you know, he's making cast suggestions and whatever else. And, and the producer 
who clearly didn't know dick about Superman, had three met with Kevin Smith prior to Kevin Smith writing the script and said, okay, I have three rules. I got three things I want in this film. I'm going to give you the three things that I want in this film, and then you go do your thing and come back to me. Kevin Smith said, sure, okay. And the producer said, okay, number one, I don't want him to fly. No flying. That's, I don't, I don't want him to fly. It's not the end of the and world. Kevin, Superman never and, flew for a long time. <laughs> and Kevin Smith was like, what, like at all? <laughs> you don't want him to fly at all? Like, what you, and he said, no, I don't want him to fly because I've seen the way they do the flying in the films and it always looks fake and I don't, you know, I don't like it. So I don't want, I don't want him to fly. And Kevin Smith was like, okay. And he says, number two, I don't want to see him in that suit. <laughs> and and Kevin Smith was like, what suit? Is that a suit he's always wearing? <laughs> Kevin Smith was like, you mean you mean the Superman suit? Like, <laughs> the, is, yeah, with like the blue and the red cape and you know what? I don't want to see it. it. Looks looks and the term and this is not my this is not my wording and it's not Kevin Smith's wording. It was the producer's wording. But he says it looks faggy. I don't I, I don't want that. He <laughs> says number three. I want him to f- in the third act. He needs to fight a giant spider. And Kevin Smith was like, what? <laughs> like, what? Re- like, really? A giant spider? And he was like, yeah. He says, I don't know if you know anything about spiders, but they are the fiercest predator in the animal kingdom and like all this stuff, right? He was just, it was the guy who was like horny on spiders and really wanted, <laughs> really wanted a spider in this non-flying business suit wearing Superman film. And so... Kevin Smith was like, all right, man. Like, yeah, I'll spider it up. Like, <laughs> don't worry. Sure, and, um, whatever. <laughs> so he goes off and he writes this script. And then Warner Brothers is like, no, we don't like, you can't, whatever. You just can't call it a spider because it, it whatever. It makes it too scary or makes it too, you know, just don't call it a spider. And, and so Kevin Smith's like, okay, it's a Thangorian snare beast. So what you actually saw on screen was a Thangorian snare beast. Um <laughs> <laughs> which is you know um and what's uh, what's really funny about this story is that ultimately obviously this film <laughs> was not made and at some point he was like you know he's kevin smith is like reading the script to this producer because the producer couldn't really read and he liked to just like lay on the couch and like have the writer read the script to him as so you could like stare at the ceiling and like envision the movie Visualize. on his ceiling and, uh, and so he reaches this point and he's like, you know, he's like, ah, oh, he's, he says, uh, nothing's happening. And Kevin Smith's like, what do you mean nothing's happening? And he's like, well, Brainiac's just shown up at the, the, the Fortress of Solitude. Like, where's, where's the fight? Like, you got to make him fight. Like, nothing's, you know, he says, at, at least make him fight like Superman's guards. He's like, he's, they're there by themselves. And Kevin Smith's like, well, it's a fortress of solitude. You can't, the guy's like, he's there, he's there alone. Like that's, that's kind of the point. And also why would he need guards? He's, he's Superman. And, and so anyways, it turned into this thing where like, there was going to be two giant polar bears were Superman's guards and Brainiac (laughs) shows up and slaughters a polar bear. Like it, it was just so... But when this film didn't pan out, 
didn't end up happening. That producer, the very next film that this producer went ahead to work on, was a Kevin Klein Will Smith film called Wild Wild West. <laughs> in which the third act There's a giant features spider. a giant mechanical spider. <laughs> <laughs> so he got he got a spider after all. But um good for him. Yeah, so so not only is is the Nick Cage in the suit with the hair cameo special. But the fact that he's fighting a giant spider just shows this level of fandom. knowledge <laughs> and this level of fandom and this level of, of fan service that I was, and I guarantee you, like there was probably only, we went to like a 1030 show, 1030 at night. So there was maybe only 20 people in our theater. Your theater I was empty too. Yeah, yeah, I guarantee you I was the only one that got it. Like, I think other people, like, of the 20 people, maybe four of them got the Nick Cage thing. I guarantee you I was the only one that went, oh, my God, it's the Thangorian Snare Beast. Like, I was the yeah. only one that was, like, losing my mind over this giant spider. I I but feel like I heard uh, the, like, the spider bit before i didn't realize he went on to make wild wild west after but like the kevin smith writing in the I which is hilarious like by before, the way but it, it never registered deep because the film never got made and it's ridiculous and silly yeah yeah, yeah. so except it, now it it's not when because i saw it, it didn't after register. seeing that more, yeah after but, seeing what we saw i'm like yeah do it up yeah do it up man give me give me nick cage as superman maybe maybe not the producer's wanted changes but kevin smith's original script <laughs> yeah um okay so that's 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 just incredible so those those are are ridiculous who could believe it cameos um the one person i will say that i wanted going in like the person that was on my wish list was michelle pfeiffer i talked about that on the show i just wanted michelle pfeiffer to show up but ultimately like I said, because of the direction they went, like because of what the story is, Michelle Pfeiffer showing up wouldn't have made any sense. Right. Wouldn't have made any sense. And so I'm, I, that's completely fine. Um, Michael Keaton. My <coughs> man, Michael Keaton. I I'm mean, Batman. come on. I'm Batman. Come on. Can like, nuts. Let's, Let's get, nuts. get nuts. The combination of Michael Keaton as Batman with that Danny Elfman score. Ah. Oh, it's just even like the mansion. It's just the mansion in rooms that we've seen before. Yeah. Like we've yeah. seen That's that what I'm kitchen. Saying. That's what I'm saying. Like the mansion. That's the dining room with the whole could you pass the salt scene with Kim Basinger. Yeah. Like it's it's oh it's so good. And I will tell you, I will admit this because I admitted it to Brienne. The moment when Bruce decides I'm gonna help and goes over to the family portrait, moves it aside, scans his eye, opens up the bat suit chamber. I came very close to crying. Very close because the music's playing and all the suits are there 
and it's friggin michael keaton and i was just like all the suits except the bat nipple suit <laughs> well yeah but he never wore a bat nipple suit <laughs> so i i was just like <laughs> i was just i yeah 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 i came very close to crying yeah like i definitely had goosebumps I had like that warm, like slightly, like I felt like I'd had a couple of drinks. Like I was a little like. Warm fuzzies. Warm and fuzzy and tingly and like, oh, movie could end it there. (laughs) And I would have been like, okay, I got what I needed. Next. Um, Also, so Michael Keaton's incredible. Like absolutely incredible. And it's it's like, although you see the natural progression of his Bruce Wayne and of his Batman. And it feels like the natural, like, oh, this time has passed. And, and we reference Michael, Michael Gow's um, uh, Alfred is no longer with us. Obviously he was a very, he was an old Alfred even back when, when they did this in, in 89. Yeah. Um, But in some ways, it also felt like no time had passed at all. Like, it didn't feel like someone who hadn't played the character in 30 years was trying to remember how to play the character. Like, it just, it was, yes, that's Michael Keaton's Batman. Not just because of the suit, but because of the mannerisms and the voice and the... Like his Bruce Wayne felt like, especially once he's like cleaned up and he's in the Batcave and they're like, they're doing the like sciencey experiment he's doing stuff. Batman and things. He's doing just it, just like it yeah. felt. felt. And the right. fact that the Batcave hasn't been changed, it's still that the same computer with all the monitors. Like yeah. it just that was really good. Was so good. <clears throat> I also want to talk about Sasha Cali, who played. Kara Zor-El. Hmm. She's amazing in this. Oh, yeah. She was such a good Supergirl. Yeah. Such no, no a complaints good Supergirl. At all. Zero. None. Zilch. Oh. So yeah. good. Okay. And like, like, big props and respect to her for like reaching out to previous people who have played versions of Superman and Supergirls. Yeah. And saying like, what do I do? What's it like? How do yeah. I do it right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yes, she met with Henry Cavill. That's how you, that's how you kind of like prepare for this role. <laughs> yeah. But all the while still brought her own unique touch. Exactly. To yeah. You, you do your own thing, but you make sure you're like honoring those that came before. Like this is, we're yeah. talking about like, as as sacred as a comic book movie and comic book characters can get, we're talking about like sacred ground here. You're playing a very kind of near and dear character to a lot of people. You don't just yeah. go into it with your with your own mindset and your own thoughts and ideas without first doing some research and talking to people who've gone before and done it well. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed Iris West. She had a very limited role. But was still, you know, served yeah. served the purpose she needed to. Yeah. Um, Boba Fett. 
Boba Fett is is Aquaman's dad. <laughs> yeah. Did we know that before? I, I can't he, remember if he was in Aquaman one or not. That's that, that's he was a I'm Google pulling it up. Oh yes, he is. Okay, I did not. I did not remember that. And so then, when all of a sudden Boba Fett was on screen, I was yeah. like, "Holy crap!" Yeah, <laughs> it's freaking Boba Fett. Uh, so that was fun. Um, okay, let's talk about some things. Because I want to end on a high note. So let's talk about some things that I that we didn't like. Sure. Do you want me to start and, or you to start? <laughs> Sounds like you're on a roll. Well, I just have one. I really only have one. Okay. Well, I have two. And I think I'm going to say the one because I think it's it it's going to springboard. Like you're going to agree and we're going to jump all over this. There is... I've been seeing a lot of things online that are talking about, and these are people who who aren't in the know, and so it's fine. Um, a lot of people saying the film, the CGI was incomplete. That mm. they released a film where the CGI had not been finished. Are we talking about like the final fight? Is that um, where they're drawing that conclusion from? I think they're mostly referring to like the Speed Force stuff, like the 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 time chamber or whatever yeah. he called it. When you've got like you're seeing you're seeing Henry Cavill and you're seeing all these cameos and you're <clears> seeing <throat> these scenes from previous films that are mm. kind of played out, and and I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but. The CGI was complete. And Andy Muschietti has gone out on record saying that the way that the Speed Force looks was a very style, it was a stylistic choice. We made it look that way because they're supposed to look like kind of avatars of, of, right. These, it's it's not supposed to look. And I think it's, I, it, at least for me, it was the wrong stylistic choice. Mm. Like it because it it looked too close to being real that it's created this confusion of the CGI yeah, I, was. You bad. know what? I don't think I had a problem with it. No, no. I, you 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 mentioned like when you were saying, and I mean, I showed my hand here, I guess, but when you were saying uh, CGI problems, like. I thought I thought you were, we were going to be talking about that big final climactic battle because there See, were some which, times during that where some of the CGI looked a little weak. See, and and people have been saying that too, and I didn't know. I, maybe on a second viewing, I'll notice that. I didn't notice any of it, and I think it's just because I was so sucked in. Yeah, I was just immersed, and I wasn't paying attention to any of that. I was just blown away by what was happening. It, um, I don't think it was enough to. I know. I think I like. I I noticed it, but it wasn't like atrocious. Like it wasn't bad. Right. The one moment that I will say was bad, and I don't know if this was supposed to be a stylistic choice. It wasn't in the Speed Force. It wasn't in like the Speed Time Chamber thing. But the opening scene could have been. Amazing. The one with the babies? Yes. Because 
the tension when you're in that side that room and you see the baby sliding towards the window and you're well aware of what's going to happen the tension the upset in your stomach oh my god this is like this is horrific was palpable it was an, it was crazy it was you know you want to talk about stakes here's stakes we'll give you stakes we got two dozen babies falling out a skyscraper we got baby stakes we got t-bone stakes we got and dog stop, stakes stop 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 and then as <laughs> as they're in the room rolling out the, the, the across the floor or whatever i'm like oh this is really this is horrific. High, high tension, yeah. And it looks very real, and it's very upsetting, and, and oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden, all of the babies are suddenly made of rubber. <laughs> this CGI, and I don't know if that was, I don't know. I don't know if it was them saying, you know what, this is so awful yeah, and so horrific. That, that, that was we, noticeably CGI as well, yeah. If we make it seem too realistic, then it's too upsetting and too awful, but I think they should have just had the guts and went for it and made it really realistic and really upsetting and really awful because they started to look like... the What it reminded me of was that awful... Jim Carrey-less sequel to The Mask, Son of the Mask. And there was a CGI baby in that. And he does. He looks like, he looks like you know, PlayStation 3 cutscene graphics. Yeah. And it just really took me out of like, because it went from like super serious to like, I'm going to put a baby in a microwave. And I'm, which, okay, <laughs> that sounded really awful. But you get what I, like, I'm going to do That's all these happened. things. That's what happened. Um, but like, and then as soon as they're back on the ground again, it, it's clear that he's holding a real baby. So it was just like, it. that one felt very like, okay, obviously there were moments in this scene where you had to use CGI. You can't actually throw babies out a window. Um, or but you used it so poorly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and that really, really yeah. pulled me out of it. Yeah. Really pulled me out of it. Uh, I could agree so with that. Yeah. That's my first gripe, is that the CGI in that opening scene, it took it took some recovering for me. It took some, especially because it's right at the beginning. I'm like, oh, this is what this movie's going to be. And it wasn't, for the most part, at least for me, um, but it really took some recovering. What's uh what's a gripe you have? Um this would be like uh an issue with the flash. And this is this is again writing. It's not to do with the actor or or the suit or anything. It would be can you picture or just like in your recollection at any point in the past uh point out for me when the Flash was a kleptomaniac, a kleptomaniac, it, like he like just like like stealing things and would steal things without thinking. No, like, does that happen in this movie? Constantly, <laughs> he's constantly taking things that aren't his. 
When? He takes the hot dog. He, I mean, the vending machine's going to fall and hit the ground anyway, but he steals I all mean, the food out of the vending machine. <laughs> like, but that's There necessity. was at least like four or five times he, he, he steals things that aren't his. Right, I but mean, when it was Maybe food. he's got good reasons, but he's still stealing. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's like, yeah. it's it's a small gripe, but for me, like, almost a lot of the DC superheroes are fairly black and white when it comes to doing, uh, being uh, upstanding to the law. Right. Right? Like, But I mean, bat- he was about to pass out. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> right? It was his metabolism like, that was the issue. He didn't. He he didn't leave like a ten dollar bill in the person's like he could have left some money in that person's hand. Who carries cash? Who carries cash? <laughs> he's 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 the Flash. He could he could find cash on a short notice could, if he could, needed to. He could scour so, the states what, he's gonna for penny steal, change. And, he's gonna steal. He's gonna steal five bucks off of one guy so he can pay for the other. No, guy's he'll find it on the ground somewhere. <laughs> my, oh my gosh! I liked I liked how they. Uh, showed how he needs to eat a lot to keep up his mm-hmm. power because that's kind of that's a very comic book thing. But just oh man, the yeah, I don't know. It bothered me how much he took stuff without any without a second thought <laughs> to the point where it's hmm. like, okay, this flash is all right with petty theft. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> interesting that, that yeah, is that a very it, real thought i had at the for end me, of that was film. just a part of it i was like okay um the second gripe and really the only other big gripe that i think is worth like that really stood out to me and was a moment where i was like oh come on was when because like brianne and i actually even looked at each other and we we're like uh uh-huh is when Barry glues his tooth back in. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because, and I'll admit, because nothing, nothing comes of that except for setting up that gag right at the very end where his tooth falls out again. Yeah. And I will admit, because I was caught up in the whole... Like it was, it was, it was preceded by George Clooney showing up and Barry Allen's who the F is this guy? And like, so I, I was already in a jovial mood when that final <clears throat> gag happened and it did make me laugh. Like I laughed out loud. You're a little lighthearted. I, but I was a little lighthearted. And and had that gag happened elsewhere, I would have been like, well, this is stupid. And it was stupid and unbelievable and didn't make any sense that, that he was able to glue his tooth back in. Well, I mean, I've played with super glue a fair bit. No, come on. Don't even know. No, no. Like, I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not giving it credit. I'm taking away credit. Like I'm very fairly confident that super glue would not hold that tooth in, in any capacity. No. And especially not straight. And, and like, it looked like nothing had happened like yeah. two seconds later. It was like, he'd never lost a tooth. Yeah. Yeah. And what was when, 
when the Batman thing, when Batman's first there, and everyone's going crazy, and Barry 2 moves Barry 1 out of the way, but does it a little too fast. And he throws up. And, and causes Barry 1 to throw up. How much ecto-cooler had he been drinking? <laughs> because what he's throwing up is the most yeah. high school highlighter neon green bullshit that I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, what is in his body that is causing him to throw up, like, gallons of lime green fluid? So that that bothered me. That was just kind of like, uh, what? Like, it just didn't feel like it fit. Like, sure, have him throw up, right? Because it's you've already explained that you can't move people too quickly. That's one of the tricky things about being the Flash is you can't move people too quickly because their body can't take it. But then to to bookend that with this like super fake looking, ridiculous, over the top, cheesy, and I don't know what that was. Was that like, okay, we're going to maintain, we're going to maintain a certain rating by not having it look too gross and graphic we're gonna make it look a little comedical and 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 cartoony yeah i don't know (laughs) yeah i don't know that really bothered me really bothered me those are really my two three two and a half those are my gripes what else about this didn't work for you i don't think i got any more gripes i've already said a lot of my piece when it comes to my negatives on this prior to us breaking that down but uh Let's just move on to positives. My, like, right. I, cause there's a lot of positives. And like yep. one of the big positives I liked about this film was, and this, this goes for like any film that does time travel. Cause time travel's tricky when you start throwing it into a film and then explaining it. And like if you have seen any number of the Terminator franchises, you start creating all kinds of nasty plot holes that don't get explained and are hard to explain. And, it creates mm-hmm. a big mess. And I think this does a great job of explaining how their version of time travel works and also kind of explaining it in a way that all of those any any plot holes that would would have been created are kind of also explained away at the same time. Time is like a, a uncooked piece of spaghetti. And when you time travel, you create another uncooked piece of spaghetti that intersects it. And now you've got two beginnings and two ends in this intersection point. And then when you do, when you interact with the past, all of a sudden you get an uncooked bowl of spaghettis plopped on your plate. And it's like, oh, what a mess. Okay. That explains everything for everything. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, that whole like, scene was fantastic. But yeah, that was such such a great explanation for time travel and their version of it and how it works. And oh yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Like I, now, I had he, a conversation with a guy. He he hadn't seen the film, I don't think. Right, um, and he was kind of complaining about some of the stuff he'd seen in the trailers about how well. Like the number one rule of time travel is you don't interact with yourself in the past because it creates a problem. Right. And na 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 na. And uh, I was just like, yeah, but that's like Doctor Who and Back to the Future time travel. That's not time travel in this 
Marvel in this cinematic universe, like they're, mm-hmm. they're doing it differently. You need to watch the movie and then it makes sense. Like, yeah, he can interact with himself. It just creates more mess. Right. More weaving messy spaghetti on your plate. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really like that. Having said that though, there was still like, when the movie ended, I wasn't able to fully make a logical connection between everything that happened time travel wise, like all of the cause and effect, like with the ending. And it was like, okay, so now George Clooney is Batman in this, in his universe. And so, so some things he was able to change for a positive and some things like the 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 jar of tomatoes carried over and had that effect but somehow him changing the jar of tomatoes to the top shelf has changed who Batman is within this universe in a really big way like it was just there, I think there. I think there was some aspect of this film, even though they did a good job of essentially explaining the basics. There was some aspects of this film that was still Warner Brothers and Andy Muschietti saying, um, "You know, we need you to kind of just suspend disbelief a little hey, bit. Wait. Like just kind, of, just kind of go with this." You're wait. Okay, I'm a little confused that you don't understand that you're that you're you do you're not aligned with that premise okay because removing one can of tomatoes from their original place on the shelf caused there to be not only a new batman but all uh, meta humans to pretty much not exist except for supergirl yes and no because that led to but here's the difference Removing the can of tomatoes caused his mother to still be alive. It it caused Barry's father to never go to jail. Like there was there was some big people who would have moved into that house never moved into that house. Like there was some really big repercussions of that. Like that was a big ripple. The only thing that really should have changed from him moving the can of tomatoes to the top shelf was that Barry's mom still dies. Barry's dad still goes to jail, but all these years later, in real time with where Barry left the the timeline in the first place, we're now able to, he now glances up instead of keeping his head down and we're able to get him out of jail moving forward. But, but nothing nothing else really should have changed prior to this. Absolutely there should have. You're ignoring the entire explanation of how time travel works. Because okay. removing that can of tomato... Because realistically, mm-hmm. when those that can of tomatoes, when he went 
she went shopping and when the day, the week, whatever that she died, Batman exists at that point in time. Sure. Michael Keaton. Right? Like, well, no, Michael right. Keaton as, or, or any Batman, or I guess Michael Keaton's Batman. Yeah. But like Batman well, from see, his universe no, I, potentially didn't like it, the whole point of the explanation is that changing one thing doesn't change just the future. It changes the past. Right. Okay. So walk me through this. Like I'm going to ask so, the questions. You walk me through so this. You remove, hang on. Cause you, you remove there's, there's walking, one specific thing here. I need to know. There's one specific thing I need to know. Okay. So Barry, when Barry leaves his current time to go, <coughs> excuse me. Good Lord. He's doing all those Batman voices. When Barry <laughs> leaves the present time to go back and stick the can of, the can of tomatoes in his mom's cart. Sure. Is that, like, where is he at that point? Is he in the, is, is this supermarket in the past of his current timeline? Like, is he on the same spaghetti strand as he is when he's in the present and hasn't changed anything yet? Yeah, I. Uh, this is right? this is the kind of the confusingness of time travel, right? The See, this is what I'm saying. That what, but I'm saying, but I'm saying, like, it doesn't matter because well, but it it's a it's a big. You're looking. He's already changed things. Things are already messy because he's changed things and he's interacting with himself. Things are no, but I mean, before, before that even happens, before he fixes, before he fixes things refixes things no no i'm talking about at the beginning at the beginning of the film like at the beginning of the film he's got this idea about how he can go back and save his mom right so when he goes back i would say there's just one strand of spaghetti okay so he goes back and he's in that strand of spaghetti which means at that point batman actually probably doesn't exist because the bruce wayne from his timeline i don't think is quite probably hasn't been Batman for 20. Well, maybe he is. Maybe he's like year one Batman at that point or whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Or he's but he's at bare minimum, he's training. He's training. He's he's with, yeah. Okay. So then when Barry goes, so then it, as soon as he does that, as soon as he touches the can and puts it in his mom's cart, we have a second strand of spaghetti. I would say as soon as he removes it from the shelf. As soon as he removes it from the shelf. Well, I mean, he could have like taken it off and set it right back again and probably nothing would have changed. But regardless. Maybe. As soon as as soon as he took the action that he did in order to save his mom, he is on a second strand of spaghetti. The strand of spaghetti that he's on has has come to a crossroads with another strand of spaghetti. And he's veered hard left onto that other strand of spaghetti. Great. And all of these things happen, right? In in this new strand of spaghetti, it, this is the Michael Keaton strand of spaghetti. And, and... Yeah. Past and future are altered. Yes. Past and future are altered. He's on this new strand of spaghetti. There's this new course. He's going in a different direction within this bowl. Um, so... 
And 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 with it, but see, then I don't fully understand how the time, the speed so, chamber okay. works, and when he can see all these so other. It but gets, it, the, 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 so you're you're still at two strands. The two strands become a messy plate of spaghetti when Dark Flash, we'll call him, knocks him out of the out of the time stream. And then sure. he starts interacting with his mom and then he starts interacting with himself and he starts inter and that strand, those two strands very quickly, I would say become a plate of cooked spaghetti that are weaving and interwinding with each other. So I guess what you could surmise then something that would somewhat logically <clears throat> make the end of this film make sense is that once that had happened, and there was a big, messy bowl of spaghetti, and who knows what strand we're even on anymore. It would have been relatively impossible, because in order for Barry to make everything go back to exactly the same way that it was, like he had never done any of this, he would have to go back to the supermarket on the very same strand of spaghetti that he was on when he did it in the first place. Yes, yeah, I don't the even only think way to did. undo that. I think it, and that would be impossible for him fix to fix it. I'm, I'm well, saying, no, and, I, I'm under the assumption he can't fix it ever. Well, I, I, I think, I think he could have if he were somehow able to find that strand of spaghetti. But I think now that there's this massive bowl of spaghetti, the odds that him ever yeah. being able to do that are so slim to none, which yeah. means that the strand of spaghetti that he was on when he went back in time again, back to that supermarket in order to to undo, try to undo what he had done was not the same strand of spaghetti. And, and it was a strand of spaghetti where like at, at that point, the only impact that him moving the can of sauce has, removing it from the cart, the only impact that has is killing his mom, and moving it to the top shelf, the only impact that has is saving his dad. Because an argument could be made that when he arrives in that supermarket the second time, Prior to touching or interacting with anything, George Clooney is already Batman because that is the strand of spaghetti that he's on. And Even, him moving this him yeah. moving the, the tomatoes is not going to impact Batman. So it's the fact it's everything that's already happened up until this point in the film that has created all of these strands of spaghetti, like the George Reeves one, like the Christopher I, Reeves one. I feel one, like, like the logic Adam West one is still a little flawed. Because you're still you're still forward thinking. No instead of forward and backward thinking. Right? So no. and your big thing is like your your big hang up sounds like like if if the if the spaghetti isn't a mess, if you're still one strand, if he finds the right strand, your big your big hangup is him putting the tomatoes in the cart to save mom creates massive waves because mom doesn't die, dad doesn't go to jail, they stay in the house, yada yada yada. True. You mm-hmm. but you're assuming that moving them to the top shelf and and having all the same events occur except for his dad going to jail. Um, no, his dad don't. still does go to jail. Well, well but you're, 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 you're like, I'm saying you're making, 
assumptions that just because it's moved to the top shelf, nothing else changes except for that one thing later on. But that like that. No, I, I'm saying it's possible. But what I'm saying is regardless, like the strand, the strand of spaghetti that he's on when he goes back to try to undo his actions is right. not the same strand of spaghetti that he's on when he does those actions in the first place. Right. Does but that your original assumption was that he was. Well, yeah, but then try to track with me here, man. I've been <laughs> I've been working this out logically. Um, I and so then it's not the same same strand of spaghetti. Theoretically, could he have gotten back to that same strand of spaghetti? Yeah, possibly. But there's now who knows how many thousands of millions of whatever strands of spaghetti in this bowl, and so I, he wouldn't even know how to get back to that strand of spaghetti within the speed chamber, even if he wanted to. Right. right, because we've seen this speed chamber, yeah. and let's for I, I, the I sake of this metaphor, saying, let's say like, the speed chamber. I think it it's kind more of complicated serves as than that. The bowl itself, you can see all the strands of spaghetti. I, I'm Why? I'm thinking it's more complicated, is, but that's how the that. film explained it. Like, I'm that's thinking how the film like explained it. Even if even if he finds the right, like even if things aren't a mess, even if he hasn't broken the timeline. Moving those cans to the top shelf, you st- you still end up breaking the timeline. You still end up with George Clooney instead of Ben Affleck. Uh, see, but and I I don't know. I refuse, and you're saying it's I, just because the waves aren't as big. But I'm but like no. The I whole point of the butterfly effect is that the, those waves grow. No matter what, yes. no matter what change you make, those waves grow and make make massive changes. But I, it, impossible, but also possible, like my theory that once he arrives in that supermarket, right, because he's he has to go back in time to that supermarket on some strand of spaghetti. He's got to pick one, right? Whatever strand of spaghetti he's going back on. It's obviously, I don't think, the Michael Keaton one, because at that point, they're, they've gone into the speed chamber and he's gone back and forth through so many different strands of spaghetti that... That obviously that strand of spaghetti is not the strand of spaghetti that the supermarket was in when he first got to the supermarket. And I think it's pretty reasonable to assume that that strand of spaghetti is not the same one that him and the other Barry have been existing on throughout the majority of this film. Maybe it is, but I think it's reasonable to assume that it's not because there's been so many freaking strands of spaghetti now. And they've been in and out of the speed force and Barry kept going back and going back and going yeah. back, which created dark, dark flash. Anyways, what I'm saying is it's possible because we've seen that there are strands of spaghetti with very different Superman and very different Batman. Yeah. And so it's very possible that whatever strand of spaghetti he goes back on to try to fix those issues, that that is a strand of spaghetti that has George Clooney as its Batman. Regardless, that is a George Clooney Batman strand of spaghetti. It's possible that his actions moving the can of sauce create another strand of spaghetti that that is, you know, that is the only one that's got George Clooney as Batman. But I think it's just weird and a bit of a stretch to suggest that him moving a can of sauce in a supermarket 
Because I would understand, like I understand the first interaction changes things. It changes things that happen between the point in time where the supermarket is and the point in time where Barry leaves the present day, right? Barry's past changes. The past changes when he goes back and does what he does, when he puts the can of tomatoes in the shopping cart saving his mom. Things between the time when Barry leaves the time or leaves his modern day and goes back to the shopping store, the grocery store, his actions change things that take place in that time. However, because at the time, the only immediate effect of Barry moving the can to the top shelf is that now his dad looks up, which means that the, no, no, hang on, which means that the verdict that is going to be read in court is going to be one in his father's favor. However, that hearing has not happened yet when Barry originally leaves his modern time, which means any consequences of those actions, if you're following like back to the future time logic and everything else, any consequences of him having done that, any consequences of like had Barry's dad looked up and as a result of him looking up the brim of his hat knocked over this and blah 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 then great sure we have an argument here but because the only thing that changes happens in the future happens at a point after when Barry returns to the modern day to the point in time which which he has left, which just means that Barry's dad is now going to be out of jail. Barry's dad being out of jail in the future versus still in jail, that is going to have consequences 100%. 100%. Because now Barry's dad is going to interact with people and live in a place that he wouldn't have otherwise. Sure. But that's why all I'm saying is my theory, what I think is most plausible, is that in that timeline, on that strand of spaghetti, George Clooney, when when Barry goes back to the grocery store the second time, kills his mama, George Clooney is already Batman on that strand of spaghetti because it doesn't make sense that his dad simply glancing up, reaching up instead of reaching down, has had enough of a ripple effect Prior to this this court verdict, right? Mom's still dying, dad's still going to jail. That it's had enough of a ripple effect that somehow it's not Ben Affleck, it's not Michael Keaton, but now it's George Clooney. Someone who's not connected to, doesn't know, isn't related to, because we see that like just about, it, anyways, it doesn't matter. But that's that's my theory. That's how I've able to make Make it the flash time travel makes sense. I, I still feel like you're like you're working within the <laughs> confines of the time frame of the movie, though. 
what do you mean no i'm the few, not the, the present of the movie and the past of the movie and the things that happen in between like bat batman um michael keaton's character explains like you change the past not not just like beyond the past of the movie like ancient times have now changed because you've moved a can of Agreed. tomatoes Agreed. Because you're on a separate strand of spaghetti now, where the past is different. And so what I'm saying is that the George Clooney becoming Batman, that past that is entirely different, has been caused probably not by Barry Allen moving the can of tomatoes, but it's actually been caused by all of the crud by Barry Allen too, constantly going back and 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 doing things over and over again. That that by the time this massive bowl of spaghetti exists, one of those strands has George Clooney as Batman. Has has had has 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 a timeline where the past has been changed. And right. George Clooney and and friggin' Chris O'Donnell and Alicia Silverstone and Arnold flippin' Schwarzenegger, right? And and that while Barry's in this massive bowl of spaghetti, surrounded by all these different timelines, when he when he goes back to that grocery store to try to rectify things and kill his mom, let's call it what it is, when he goes back to try to kill his mom he's got to hop on like you can't not hop on a strand of spaghetti you got to hop on a strand of spaghetti right you have to have a strand of spaghetti to go back to that point on and so what i'm saying is i i i absolutely time travel is what's caused this issue and absolutely time travel changes the past and the future in both directions indefinitely all i'm saying is that i think that george clooney being batman was caused by actions that have already happened in the film. Was caused by Barry too repeatedly going back and right. making okay, I this. See I see what you're saying. Because that's yeah. that's what it it's it's Barry's actions doing that that leads well, to that montage yeah. of look at all the Superman, look yeah. at all the Batman that exist. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. let's talk about this movie. Aside well, from well, hang on, let's stop hang on, debating okay. time travel. Oh, I just one one further point to the time travel thing. I think. The bowl of spaghetti was there before Barry Allen too did all his nonsense, because they, the when they're sitting around the table, uh, Barry Allen one is like, "Oh crap, I broke the universe." <laughs> that that's when I think it's a plate of spaghetti. Anyway, the real question here is, um, do you Wait, think that wasn't George a real Clooney's question? Batman we spent twenty five minutes card on him when he interacts with Barry Allen. Wait, hang on. I didn't hear your question because I'm still stuck on you think we just spent 25 minutes on something that wasn't the real question. <laughs> okay, sorry. Real, What's the real, the real question, question now is, so we can talk for the next hour? The real question <laughs> is, does George Clooney's Batman have you think he's got the bat, the bat visa? card on him? Because he never leaves home without it. I would, I would think so. Like, yeah. he's got to, like, See, how and, did he pay for that car? He had to have the back card, right? <laughs> and what is a bigger question to me, and this is actually more of a, it's a similar, but it's actually more of a serious question, is 
because my assumption, and see, this is where this is where the time travel thing gets screwy again. But whatever, it would appear I what this film seems to want to get you to buy into and believe is that I don't know that the time travel is them creating strands of spaghetti so much as it is them interacting with other strands of spaghetti that they would not have otherwise had access to or something because the film seems to make you want to buy into the notion that this timeline that Barry ends up on with Michael Keaton as Batman is the Michael Keaton Batman timeline that the events of Batman 89 and the events of Batman returns have happened in this Michael Keaton's past. Right? Right. So then, is the new timeline... Ah, see, but then... No, okay, that undoes my question. Okay, interesting. Well, because then I was going to say, so is this new timeline that Barry ends the film on, is this the Batman and Robin timeline? But it can't be, because the Batman and Robin timeline is the Batman 89 Batman Returns timeline. Yeah. It's just with different actors. So it can't yeah. be. Okay. It's just yeah, like a weird multiverse question. thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Because then I was like, okay. So it was like, was there a Chris O'Donnell? Is, is, is Dick Grayson, Chris O'Donnell now dead? In the, Is he dead? Is he alive? Is he, he, he Nightwing? Nightwing? Yeah. Is he? Wow. But who knows, right? Maybe he was Nightwing and then he died. Right, it's, it's, it's like Nightwing it's doesn't die in the Trish comics. Point. Come on, there's a lot of things don't happen in the comics, my friend. I'm sure he <laughs> yeah. does at some point. He's probably died at some point. He die. He dies in the um, Injustice comics. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, we've we've danced around it enough here, and it, so we need to talk about it. That scene, the second scene in the supermarket, is so heart wrenching. Yeah. It is so. Yeah. I was. Oh, man. I was a wreck, because to watch Barry take his um take this can of of tomatoes, and by taking it out of his mom's cart, he knows that what he's doing is killing his mom. That he's killing his mom. Yeah. And it is just so heart-wrenching. So heart-wrenching. Like, yeah, it was tough. It was really, really tough, but like an amazing scene. Yeah, the the interaction between him and his mom and do I know you and talking to him like he's not her son but at the same time talking to him like he is yes yeah 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 like there's 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 a, a, a familiarity there enough for her to be really comfortable with him yes yeah oh man yeah, it was really good. It's so intense. I 
And then, uh, I don't know, because now I'm thinking, if... Are we back on the time travel thing? If we're back on the time travel thing, let's just move on. <laughs> no, I mean, it, no, it's a, but it's a, it's it, it is and it isn't. I mean, the whole film's time travel, so it's it's, it's the just, whole film's it's a messy. time travel thing. <laughs> but like, if Barry knew, clearly he didn't know that he, he like his he what he thought was that he was fixing everything. Yeah, because he's surprised when when. George Clooney is Batman. Yeah. And that universe, he does fix quite a bit because that universe must be quite similar because Aquaman's the same person. Yeah. Which gives the uh, impression that kind of majority of the things are still the same. So then my question is, and I, I mean, it's explained away by the fact that Barry thought that he was fixing everything, but I'm like, I don't know if you can never get things back to the way that they were, to begin with. No, okay, that does answer. I was like, well, then why even bother? Like, why not just keep your mom? Like, what's the reason in yeah. going back and killing your mom? But I guess because in a universe where, essentially what it's telling us is in a universe where Barry's mom, and I just, just do it again, doesn't make any sense. The causality is like painful, but because obviously there's not an infinite version of infinite number of universes. There's only like a select number because otherwise anything would be possible if you found one of those universes. But essentially what we're told is that in any version of reality where Barry's mom lives, the earth is destroyed by Zod. All of human existence dies. Yeah. So yeah, that's which which is kind of why like he has similar to, to the comics. When Barry's mom lives in the comics, the Earth is in a horrible position. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. I guess I don't know. Just I really like this nice movie. Kind of callbacks to the original t- story. I really like this movie. It's got some issues. Yeah. Well, uh, do you want to rate it? Are we ready to rate I it? Do. All right, sir, on a scale of zero to 10, how would you rank The Flash? For me, hmm, I would give it, man, I never think about this question until it's legitimately asked. (laughs) Uh, A 7.5, I think. You were like, are you ready to rate it? And I was like, yeah, and you're like, oh. I'm not. I asked if you were ready to rate it. I didn't say I was ready to rate it. <laughs> <sighs> 7.5, eh? That's good. This is respectable. That's a good number. Yep. Yeah. Cool. All right. You, you gonna you can ask what do you me want from me? What do you want? What do you want I, from me? Do I have to hold no, your no, hand? No, we just end this. No, no, we just end this. It's nobody, nobody cares what you think anyway, Brady. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They only care what Pete thinks. Pete, on a scale I've of one to ten, what would you give it? Pete, oh, well, if oh, I was that's at right. The cottage, you didn't watch it. You lazy if I was if nugget. I was at the cottage, <laughs> if uh, I was at the cottage, I would give it uh, a B seventy two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Yes, which if you go online, you look at my very complicated spreadsheet, you'll see that that means... <laughs> Insert that, uh, big fancy word here. <laughs> I would only watch it on a Wednesday if I had a peach cobbler sitting next to me and it was raining and the Wi-Fi was out. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. No, I give this an well, eight. Since yeah, so you okay. didn't ask. What would you, you'd I'd give, give it, it an, an eight, eight out of ten. What would you give it, Brady? You'd give it an eight. All right. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd give it an eight out of ten. Um, yeah, you know, a couple issues, but ultimately I had a lot of fun. And you know what? That eight is like, is probably heavily influenced by like, I've only seen it once and I'm still kind of hyped by the whole Michael Keaton thing. So maybe it would go up, maybe it would go down. I don't know. Um, but based off of the knowledge that I have, right here right now uh yeah i would i would definitely say i would definitely say an eight out of ten eight out of ten it was a good movie very good movie um i don't understand what this means moving forward i mean we were told that this was supposed to kind of restart the dc <laughs> thing it, more questions clearly it doesn't answers once again from the camp of the dc universe I mean, clearly it doesn't, because this is n- clearly, clearly, George Clooney is not the new Batman. I mean, no. if you think about, if you think about what they've said about what the Batman movie is going to be, George Clooney could fit that role. An older James Batman. Said, James Gunn said it's going to be an all new. Dick actor. Grayson's moved on and is likely Nightwing. Damian yeah. Wayne. It, but George, it, but. James it Gunn could, said it's going to be a new actor. No, no, I know. I, I know it's not it's not going to be. But he would fit the role. <laughs> it, he, oh, he, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But I just don't see that as Yeah. Yeah. No, I I don't either. <laughs> so I I don't know where that's supposed to I don't know. This just doesn't, and I think ultimately what that confirms is, I mean, a combination of Andy Muschietti now being brought on to do Batman: Brave and the Bold, and the fact that they've ended this one, they've put Barry, our Barry, in a timeline that we know they're not going to continue. That that's just where Barry lives now, and that's that is. Yeah. They're not going to do a Flash two. No, we'll we will see a new Flash in a different continuity and universe, and different at actor. most that Flash will time travel at some point, and we will see flashbacks to this film the way we saw flashbacks to other works in this film. Maybe that at maybe most, that will happen. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a sure thing. I'm just saying that's likely to be what will happen. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks for listening. Make sure you check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter all listed below. Check out our Patreon. It's a great way. Words, hard, speak. Buck a month. As little as a buck a month, you can support the show and get some fun perks. Uh, Just the other night, just uh, Wednesday night, Pete and I recorded a Patreon bonus episode um, that's going to be going up soon, and you can gain access to it for as little as a buck a month. Links down below. Uh, we also have a merch page. T-shirts, hats, water bottles. Get your swag. Get your swag. Even a teddy bear. You need a teddy bear wearing a Movie Men t-shirt that matches your Movie Men t-shirt. 
That's what you need in your life. Mm. Yeah. Yes. So make sure you do all those things. Next week, Carl and I are starting our Secret Invasion weekly episode review recap. Who's he? What's it? Um, so stay tuned for that. And Indiana Jones is like right around the freaking corner, man. It's like two weeks out, two and a half weeks or something like that. Handful of weeks. So uh, there's lots of good stuff on the way. And uh, this is uh, this is really the only place to to find entertainment on the internet. Internet's yeah. such a dry, barren wasteland. If you're like, looking other places, you're in the wrong place. Yeah, you're probably like you're probably like tapping into some satanic stuff that you shouldn't be meddling with. So yeah. like, we're like know, keep we're it right like here. The speed force, we got it all. We can go everywhere in time, and get your answers. We we know of, what's going on stretch, with the DCU. We just don't want to tell you. We just don't want to tell you. We're we've signed an NDA, and we yeah yeah we can't. Uh, James Gunn was over for lunch yesterday, and yeah, we can't. We're not allowed <laughs> to tell you what actress is playing the new Batman. So it's uh, create too many ripples. 